Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and back again for the weekly visit as my NFL and fantasy football expert, Andy Rio, who's covered fantasy for over 20 years. Is it 20 years? Does that sound about right, Andy? 20? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been, you've lost track, I'm sure, but it's great to have you back. We'll, we'll get into everything going on around the league in a few minutes, but wow. How about the Texans with a surprise performance? At least for the first three quarters, they sort of reverted to the old Texas. What was your reaction? I'm frankly surprised it ended in a tie. I thought they were going to lose it entirely, uh, but they had some help from the now-released Rodrigo Blankenship that saved the day. What was your reaction just to how they played, and was it uh, totally unexpected that what you were seeing from them? And do you feel like it could change your mind as to maybe the perception of you know how the, good the Texans are going to be this year? Well, when we talked last week, I thought it was going to be a much more competitive effort than they'd had in recent years against Indianapolis. Obviously, they exceeded my expectations, but uh, this is a young team that uh, has a hard time, or at least it seemed like on this past Sunday, has a hard time finishing games. Uh, Certainly, I think one of the biggest takeaways in fantasy was the lack of usage for Damian Pierce and the excessive usage uh, for Rex Burkhead. Um, you know, I, I think Rex Burkhead obviously is a quality veteran player. He knows how to do all the intangible things that teams need. Uh, but with a team like the Texans, I mean, that's not as important as it was when Burkhead was with Brady in New England. I think there certainly could have been times where they could have used Pierce to maybe run the clock a little bit more. Let me just remind everybody that you want to subscribe, you want to comment, you want to like us on Facebook Facebook, or <laughs> Facebook, on YouTube because that's the best way to support the show. You can like us on Facebook too. We're there as well. And from a fantasy perspective, Andy, you talked about Damian Pierce. Nico Collins didn't have the best fantasy week either, just the one catch. Was it a surprise at all that those guys didn't get a whole lot of work? And, and, and if you're a fantasy owner, should you panic at all about having Pierce and Collins on your team? Well, I think many fantasy owners drafted Nico Collins as a backup. So I don't think he was in very many lineups this week. And, you know, since he was drafted as a backup, I mean, you kind of take a wait and see approach. I mean, you want to see enough, though, that you could potentially use him on bye weeks or you get hit with an injury crunch. The Pierce thing is far more concerned because people certainly would have had him in their lineups thinking he was going to get a lot of work and that didn't happen. Uh, there may be teams, certainly, that are forced to go with him. I mean, Levy Smith did talk about getting him more uh, opportunities this upcoming week. But I think if you have somebody who is uh, of a similar level at this point, who uh, got more workload opening week, then I think you probably have to go with him instead of Pierce right now. Yeah, I just have a feeling he's going to get more carries as the season goes along. It's a wait and see, and maybe you be cautious until that starts to happen. Another guy, OJ Howard. That's a surprise the other direction. And now is he a hot pickup this week after Sunday's game? And do you think this is a fluke? At this point, I think it is probably a little bit of a fluke because he was not heavily involved uh, throughout the course of the game. It seemed like he was in on, you know, the certain packages and everything. And certainly kudos to him. He did score two touchdowns. Tight end is a position where it's harder to find people. But I think at this point, if you were looking for somebody on waivers, you still would want to look for somebody who got more snaps, uh, ran more routes, that type of thing. 
Where did Davis Mills fall among quarterbacks after week one from a fantasy perspective? Was he middle of the pack? Well, I mean, he's a guy that either went undrafted or was drafted as a backup in most cases, aside from the super flex leagues where you can play two quarterbacks. I mean, he was not really, he was behind the middle of the pack really at this point. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't be terribly encouraged about his prospects on the road against what's probably going to be an angry Broncos defense on Sunday. Yeah, let's get into that. The Texans get Russell Wilson's Broncos. What do you what do you think of the Broncos opener? Uh, and what are you expecting from them this week and, and this matchup? Well, I, I think Denver had, quite frankly, a very embarrassing opening night performance. Uh, they should have beaten the Seahawks. And I'm not sure what Nathaniel Hackett was thinking. I mean, as somebody who actually has Brandon McManus in a couple of leagues, I was actually <laughs> thought it was somewhat cool that he was going to try a 64 yard field goal. I didn't have any illusions of him making it, but they let all that time run down before they tried the field goal. Certainly they could have gotten to the 35 yard line and, and had him try for 52, which he's very capable from that range. But if, very few kickers are capable of regularly hitting 60 yards. So I, I think, and then they also had the other turnovers and everything at times they made Geno Smith look really good. Maybe Geno Smith uh, is on the verge of a revival. I don't know. I personally think that, uh, you know, I'll believe it when I see it over the course of several games, but uh, you know, I think the Broncos are probably going to be pretty angry at what happened and eager to turn things around. So uh, I think offensively, you know, all of the Broncos players are probably in play that you would be starting anyways. I mean, Jerry Judy had a very nice game with that long touchdown against the Seahawks. Portland Sutton was involved, and he's very capable. So uh, Wilson certainly is a good start, and uh, Javante Williams as well. You could even uh, flex guys like uh, Melvin Gordon if you're more desperate for a tight end. You could start our old friend from Mizzou, Albert O., uh, I, I think it's probably going to be a pretty good outing overall for the Broncos and probably a struggle for the Texans, although you would certainly still want to use Brandon Cooks. What are the Broncos' weaknesses as you see them after week one and you know, stuff that you sort of observed in the Broncos last year and through the through offseason pickups that the Texans, is there anything there can exploit? Is there anything that the Texans should worry about uh, as far as matchup-wise? I mean, what do you see with the Broncos and the Texans as uh, they match up against each other. Well, the one vulnerability Denver had last night for sure was the tight end position, given that it was Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, uh, guys who would not exactly resemble Kellen Winslow Sr. that uh, had the touchdowns. And of course, I mentioned O.J. Howard possibly being a fluke, but I mean, if the tight ends are going to take advantage of the Broncos defense, maybe this is a stepping stone for more growth from Brevin Jordan. Yeah, I'm interested to see what happens with O.J. because you know, you could have gotten a real steal there. It's not like, you know, he has no pedigree. This is a former first round pick, as we've talked about. Real quick, before we go around the NFL a little bit, Andy, I want to remind everybody to look for our midweek Texans report with my new co-host, Sean Bajani. Sean and I will get into the Texans and even some Astros in the next 24 hours. Make sure to look out for our next show. Now, I know league-wide there were major injuries, Andy, with both a real and fantasy impact. Can you go through some of those well obviously we have to look to our neighbors to the north in arlington uh, with dak prescott now out several weeks uh, jerry jones is optimistic that he'll be back sooner than intended uh, but in the meantime obviously 
that throws the uh, Cowboys offense, uh, you know, into uh, trouble at this point. Uh, Rush, the new quarterback, obviously had a, a nice start last year in Minnesota, but who knows if he's capable of doing that over the course of several games. So at this stage, that definitely uh, forces a downgrade for guys like C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Tony Pollard, and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, a lot of those guys are probably just still starters anyways, uh, based on uh, positional values and all that. But uh, you certainly shouldn't be expecting uh, what you were expecting from them at the beginning of the season. Uh, another big injury at the uh, always uh, you know interesting spot of running back, Elijah Mitchell, the San Francisco runner, is going to be out eight weeks. Uh, we all know that uh, Kyle Shanahan can turn backfields into a quagmire, but right now Jeff Wilson Jr., who has performed well in relief in the past in San Francisco, is uh, the guy that uh, you should probably be looking to claim on waiver wires if you can. Uh, Keenan Allen, the outstanding Los Angeles Charger wide receiver, uh, will probably be out this Thursday night in Kansas City with a hamstring injury. Uh, he might have been iffy even if it was for Sunday, but uh, it looks like there's going to be a possibility he can return for week three. So certainly uh, find an alternative for him. Just on that roster, uh, Josh Palmer, could be an option. He's a promising young player. And DeAndre Carter came on and played very well in relief of Allen. Uh, you know, anybody that's attached to Justin Herbert could be a potentially good option. He's just a great young quarterback out there, sometimes a little bit overlooked, I think. Uh, T. Higgins, the uh, outstanding wide receiver for Cincinnati, uh, suffered a concussion in the game against Pittsburgh. So he's another guy to monitor his status at this point in time. Uh, you know, obviously Houston knows JJ Watt very well. Uh, TJ Watt going to be out for an extended period of time for Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't think that really impacts Pittsburgh's defense this week against what looks to be a very weak, uh, New England offense, but certainly that might cause, uh, some reason to, uh, sit the Steelers for another defense in coming weeks. If you have a tiebreaker situation or it's a close call, uh, that's definitely a big loss uh, for Pittsburgh, for sure. Uh, Najee Harris, speaking of the Steelers, the running back, uh, he looks like he will probably play uh, this week. But, uh, you know, watch his status. Jalen Warren, an undrafted free agent, has emerged as his backup. And in Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, uh, their outstanding wide receiver, uh, suffered a hamstring injury. He was, of course, coming back from the torn ACL, caught a few passes early on. So uh, like a lot of people were kind of in wait-and-see mode about Godwin because he was coming back from the injury, which took place late last regular season. So uh, this will kind of give you an opportunity to sit back and you know hopefully let Godwin uh, heal here, and then you can use him later on, which I think a lot of owners are probably going to be doing anyway. Lots of information there. Good, great stuff. And let's move to the key matchups this week. I love the Chargers against the Chiefs. Mahomes looked like he'd be okay without Tyreek. Yeah, he looked great. Uh, the biggest question was who was going to kind of take over as the lead receiver. And outside of Travis Kelsey, who is technically the lead receiver, the lead wide receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster. So I think he's definitely worth another turn on Thursday night. Marquez Valdez-Scantling probably is going to be the exact player he was in Green Bay. Some boom weeks, some bust weeks. But this wouldn't be a bad uh, spot to start in. There'll probably be some scoring in this one. And we mentioned the Keenan Allen 
situation for the Chargers. Uh, one of the weakest performers in week one was Mike Williams, who disappeared. He had 10 yards receiving. So uh, I would think that there's a good opportunity for a bounce back for Mike and them. All right. Next up, Buccaneers and Saints. The Bucks beat the Cowboys in week one, but not sure that's a signature win this year. The Cowboys could spiral a little bit out of control, but what do you think about the Buccaneers and Saints? Well, the Saints are one of the few teams that's given Brady fits since he's come to Tampa, and Marshawn Lattimore has also given Mike Evans fits. Certainly, you're probably still going to start Brady and Evans, and you're certainly going to start Leonard Fournette, but uh, you know it's one of those games where you might not be expecting Tampa to put up 42 to 49 points. Uh, Jameis Winston had his moments, uh, a clutch drive late, uh, although I was a bit surprised to see New Orleans struggle with Atlanta the way they did. Uh, Michael Thomas came back with two touchdowns, and Jarvis Landry had a very nice uh, debut uh, for the Saints as well. Their first-round pick, Chris Olave, continues to show promise as well. So uh, it's not an easy matchup for the Saints, but uh, you know there's some value there. Uh, hopefully for New Orleans, uh, they're going to get a bounce-back performance from Alvin Kamara. He struggled in the opener. And one thing I just want to note out uh, for, uh, I think this is kind of interesting, is that gadget player Taysom Hill uh, is now listed as a tight end eligible player uh, at ESPN, at Yahoo, and at CBS. Obviously, three of the biggest platforms uh, for fantasy football owners. So, if you get into really dire straits, you could actually try Taysom Hill at tight end, and you never know. He might turn in a touchdown for you. He he always seems to to hang around, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, he's kind of the Guido Merkins of the day, and that's just a joke for Andy. None, none of the rest of you guys will get it. But uh, the Dolphins play the Ravens. It's Tua versus Lamar. What did you learn about these two teams and these two quarterbacks and, you know, how it's going to work into this week? Well, I think it'll be a very interesting test for Miami going on the road to Baltimore. But Baltimore lost Kyle Fuller for the season, one of their cornerbacks. And, you know, they have not gotten Marcus Peters back yet. So uh, it may be a better matchup for Tua uh, than it seems on the surface. And I think with Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill providing that uh, – you know, home run hitting production, even on a short five to 10 yard pass, the two is always capable of a spike week. Uh, he was fairly steady this week, but uh, didn't really move the needle. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we have another uh, week like that from him. But again, the big play potential is there. Uh, Chase Edmonds uh, did uh, own more of the lion's share of the backfield for Miami, but this is a tough matchup. So uh, if you have a comparable alternative, you might look to them instead of Edmonds. As far as Baltimore goes, uh, they're still waiting for J.K. Dobbins to come back. In the meantime, Kenyon Drake, who had come over off waivers from Las Vegas, was their leading running back. But the big story uh, for Baltimore was that they got some uh, major production from the wide receivers, two touchdowns from former Longhorn Devin Duvernay and another from Rashad Bateman. I think Bateman probably is definitely the better option long term, but uh, Duvernay proved he's capable of an occasional big week. And of course, there's obviously going to be big weeks ahead for uh, for Mark Andrews, too. Let's move to the NFC, the Bears and Packers. Big NFC Nordic matchup, as uh, Chris Berman might want to call it. And is it too early to panic over Aaron Rodgers? No, it's not too early to panic because, uh, you know, at this point, we don't really know who is going to emerge as that lead receiver. And 
you know, teams that operate wide receivers by committee, that usually deflates the production of the quarterback. We'll see if Alan Lazard comes back this week and changes everything. Uh, the other big story in Green Bay was that uh, A.J. Dillon actually got a little bit more work than Aaron Jones. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that flips around, but certainly uh, it's safe to say you can start A.J. Dillon every week, and I certainly think Aaron Jones will still have some big games. So that running game uh, will make it work for Green Bay at some point, and, and I suspect Rodgers will get back on track to some degree but quarterback's a deep position. If you have Rodgers now, you probably didn't spend a premium pick on him. You may have somebody that's uh, comparable or better. On the Chicago side of things, it was really hard to gauge much from the new-look Bears offense because, well, it was a monsoon in Chicago on Sunday. I think Justin Fields made some nice uh, plays uh, improvising and everything like that. But uh, not really sure at this point, uh, you know, what we're going to see from him going forward in Green Bay. Hopefully less rain and uh, more hookups with uh, Darnell Mooney, who should be his number one receiver. Uh, David Montgomery actually took a back seat to Khalil Herbert later in the game. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that backfield emerge closer to a 50-50 split at some point. Khalil Herbert right now, uh, probably a backup for a lot of fantasy teams, but definitely a backup to hold on to. And. You know, there's some upside there if everything breaks right. How about the Vikings at the Eagles? Both teams, a big win coming out of the gate for both of them. Was either win particularly impressive to you? And how does this set up? Well, I will give Minnesota the nod there because they, you know, did clamp down on Green Bay and uh, Philadelphia beat Detroit, which they were expected to do, but they kind of let the Lions hang around. And it was one of the higher scoring games of the week. I think this is very intriguing, both from a fantasy perspective and from a real life perspective, because I think these two teams have the potential to be dark horse contenders in the NFC. And with Dallas now seemingly in decline, Philadelphia is the odds on favorite to win the East. It was a very impressive debut for A.J. Brown in Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts. He had the same luck he had last year in Detroit. The running backs kind of vultured all the touchdowns, but it was good to see Miles Sanders score. He didn't have a touchdown all of last year, he's still the de facto lead back in Philadelphia and a worthy flex, I think, on a weekly basis. Uh, Devontae Smith uh, laid a goose egg, and you know he's going to be very up and down, but he's the kind of guy that can produce some big weeks still. I wouldn't uh, give up on him completely. Dallas Goddard was respectable as far as tight ends go this particular week, and uh, I think he's going to continue to be a worthy starter uh, for Minnesota, I mean, Justin Jefferson is just awesome. Uh, there was a reason why a lot of people were saying he was going to overtake Cooper Cup as the number one receiver in fantasy. And, of course, Cooper Cup had a great week one in his own right, but uh, Jefferson was awesome. Uh, Kirk Cousins was very steady in that offense. Uh, I just think there's a new vibe in Minnesota. I mean, they, they were tired of Mike Zimmer. Kevin O'Connell has brought a fresh approach. We've kind of touched on this before. And the results were definitely there. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see this game on Monday Night Football and, and see who wins. Could be a shootout. All right, I'm going to let you take a stab at the five games that we just talked about. Just tell me which team you think is going to win on each of these games. Chargers, Chiefs. You're going with Chiefs? Yeah, I will go with Kansas City. It would not shock me if the Chargers won. They did win in Kansas City last year, but uh, I will take the Chiefs at home on a short week. Buccaneers, Saints. I'm going to go with Tampa in this one. Uh, you know, not that I have any disrespect for New Orleans, but at some point you almost have to say the Bucks are a little bit due to even things out with the Saints, but a big game in the South. Fish and the Ravens. 
I will go with Baltimore at home. Bears, Packers. That's toughy. Definitely Green Bay at home. Oh, you like Green Bay. Okay. And Vikings, Eagles, which feels like one of the bigger toss-ups of the group. I think it's a toss-up. I will give a slight edge to Philadelphia. I wouldn't be surprised if that game was decided by seven points or less. I forgot to ask you this about O.J. Howard, but was he maybe the biggest waiver wire pickup? Or how, how was he, as far as waiver wire pickups in week one, you know, popularity, I guess, is there anybody else out there that people were scrambling to to, to go at? Well, I think the biggest ad is going to be uh, Jeff Wilson because, you know, right now he's going to be the guy that's going to head up the San Francisco backfield, although I suspect they'll also get plenty of carries to Debo Samuel. I mean, the, you know, running backs are always going to be prioritized over tight end. Yeah, I should have thought about that for sure. Uh, one one last thing I, I just wanted to bring up, and this is off of the NFL, but, you know, Andy follows the NBA a lot too. And Andy, did did you happen to read any of Jonathan Chark's material with The Ringer? Did you know him at all? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, it's a real sad story this past week after – the two year fight with cancer that he had and just a, a miserable fight. He's was in his mid thirties. He passed away and sharks, you know, I just got to tell everybody out there. Uh, if you get it, if you get the chance and you got a couple of minutes, do me a favor and go read Jonathan sharks piece that he did a few months ago. It's called, does my son know you? And it's an incredible piece that he wrote about, his dealing with cancer, but it's not just cancer. It's very much a, a piece about life and how, you know, it, his life has cha been changed by different things and how people look at things and how maybe we should look at things. And, you know, it wasn't just that he, he goes down in this rare form of cancer, but, you know, he had a two-year-old son, you know, just been married a few years. And the thing that just blows your mind is his dad got Parkinson's when he was a kid. And he talks about in the article that, you know, he wanted to build a family that didn't have that hanging over the the illness. And then his dad passed away at 21. And unfortunately, you know, his son is going to have an even worse fate because he'll never have really met his dad. Uh, but it's a fantastic article and I really recommend it. And he was my favorite NBA podcaster, just very thoughtful, just seemed like a great human being when you listen to him. It came through. It came through. Uh, with him as a podcaster and one of the better writers, there's, you know, guys like Zach Lowe had incredible tributes on their podcast and some of the ringer guys obviously uh, loved him. And so Jonathan Sharks, uh, a big hat tip to him and, and what an incredible person. And, you know, somebody that really was also very generous to the NBA people that were trying to be writers. And there were stories on Twitter about what uh, he had done for them in particular, firsthand accounts and things like that. So, uh, just a just a little uh, nod to Jonathan Sharks before I close things out. I also want to remind everybody that I had my Houston Cougars experts on with post-game thoughts on the Tech OT loss and a preview of the Kansas game this past week. So it was on yesterday. You want to go listen to that. I want to thank Andy for the weekly visit. He's a little bit under the weather this week, so we, we appreciate you playing hurt for us, Andy, and it's always good to catch up with you. Yep, likewise. <laughs> You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.